you know, I w- <laughs> you know, I was in a horror film. You know, I I had an extras, an extra kind of role in a horror film as a uncredited performer. Do you know this? Have I ever told you about this? If no, I haven't, no, we have not discussed this. Uh, I'm surprised. What are we? Thirty nine weeks or something yep. like that, and this has never come up. I know, and it, it, it fucking blows me away that I haven't even mentioned this to you. In fact, just te- and I texted it to you really kind of casually, super casually, a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Did I tell you that was in a horror film? Um, it was. It's a horror movie that never saw the light of day, right? It was never released, mm. and I'm starting to suspect it never will be. Uh, oh. Let me just give you... I'm going to talk you through it. So, <laughs> I... What year are we talking? Oh, man, quite recently, you know, 2017, okay. maybe 2018. Okay. 18, I think. It was, it was, it was recently. So, um... I meet someone through work, somebody who's just joined our company, and we get talking, and uh, I mention I'm a horror fan, I mention I'm, I, I, I love movies, blah, blah, blah. And she tells me that her daughter actually uh, co-owns and runs a very small-scale horror production company, right? Okay. Yes. And they do, they're quite prolific. They, they're, they're, they churn out constantly, churn out scripts. Kind of like, like the asylum or whatever that does all the sci-fi stuff. Exactly this, and they go straight to VOD. Um, all quite low rent, you know what I mean? Sure, I, yeah. But I love that stuff. That's like same. I've said legitimately that like one of my bucket list items was is to be in one of those terrible yes. sci-fi channel movies, like S- as anything. Yes. Extra, whatever. So I'm for this. Uh, they, they, their stock in trade is doing kind of uh, straight to video equivalents of big studio productions, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, which they'll, which they'll release, coinciding with uh, home video releases of of big screen productions, right. like. Yeah. Uh, it, which shows how quickly they're actually making uh, them in, in the window. Yes, it's incredible. That, yeah. Um, I liken it to one of the things I miss about Blockbuster, right? One of the things I miss about going to the video shop is is leafing through the titles and and finding the director video uh, analog of your big studio yeah. productions. Like Transmorphers was one of my favorite. <laughs> Fucking brilliant! I think I saw a Triassic really Park good. at one time. That was also great. <laughs> so that's the kind of that's the kind of ballpark that we're in, right? Um, sure. So I get talking to this lady at work, uh, and she goes, "Do you know what? I, I could pick up the phone, and and they're shooting in London now. I could pick up the phone and get you in as an extra." And I was like, "No way!" <laughs> she Stop. did. Stop. Yep, she oh, did. Amazing. And literally, uh, seventy-two hours later, uh, I've got a phone number and an address to rock up to, and I do. I think, "Oh, you, Mark?" I'm like, "Yeah, Mark. Come on in, Mark." And I walk up the stairs of this fucking derelict building interestingly the set that they were shooting on was (laughs) it was kind of like a sex dungeon um okay no for real or uh, that was full of on purpose or it just had the vibe no it it was full of sexual appliances right and i'm talking like a um like an x harness Okay, to strap sure. into there was uh there was a swing in there uh oh like a kind of a, a kind of an examination table with with the stirrups for legs and so on i don't think that this was referenced in the script right it wasn't it's just this was where they were fucking shooting it's just it. they happened to be able to rent this out and they were like we can work with that yeah yeah exactly that exactly that um 
And the the scene in question, I'm describing. I'm going to describe the plot of the movie, right, as best as <laughs> I can remember it. Uh, so I don't know if they were aliens. I don't know if they were zombies. But there's some some beings who were converting human beings to kind of uh, their 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 followers, and uh, had had created like a super a super zombie. That, that was going okay. into battle for them or something like that. And I was to be one of these zombies, right? I, uh, the, nice. in, in the language of the film, they were known as joiners, right? <laughs> um, so I'm in makeup and they zombie me up. Uh, I get told I have excellent bone structure, which was always great to hear. That's true. You do have very good bone structure, Mark. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so I shoot, I shoot my scene. They pump this fucking sex dungeon full of dry ice, smoke, and I have to scrabble around on the floor. <sighs> Uh, and fight with another one of these joiners over a severed arm, which has been tossed to us. Meh. Uh, wow. So it's like a, an almost a featured extra you've got going here. Like you have you have a little bit of a story there. Well, I was promised IMDb credit oh. and I was promised a copy of the DVD. Right. Sure. Neither have come to pass. Right. Because <laughs> I don't I'm starting to suspect this movie isn't ever going to see the light of day because <sighs> since since then, I mean, I follow him on Twitter and I'm asked, is it coming out? They're like, eh, prob, prob's not. Um, and they've Aww. released lots of movies since then. Um, yeah. So I'm starting to believe that my excellent bones are never going to... They've been wasted. <laughs> Completely wasted. wasted. Completely wasted. I feel wasted. like you should ask for a redo. Like, can me and my bones come back? Uh, another flip I would do. But in the in the interim... I don't have the greatest relationship with this lady at work anymore. So I don't think... Oh, no. Uh, you burned your bridge. Yeah, I think that was my shot. Oh, <laughs> I think that was my shot. But I do... I've got my memory. I've got my memories. Yeah. I've got my picks of the day. And I've got the reinforcement that can only come from a makeup professional telling you that you have excellent facial bones. It's true. I mean, it means a lot. Yeah. Um... <laughs> It was such a strange day. Yeah. The, what was right, the makeup thing? Oh, go ahead. The The vibe of it was a bit Hellraiser-y, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so while I, was, while I was fighting with the other zombie over this dismembered hand, which, by the joiner. way, was the other joiner over this dismembered hand, which was literally just like a joke plastic hand that they'd thrown <laughs> us. <laughs> the costumes... Alarm bells started ringing when uh, they went into costume and opened up, you know, like Ruby's Halloween costumes in a flat pack. The what Halloween costumes? Ruby's, the Halloween costume manufacturers that, that do all of the Halloween costumes. Oh, I don't, I don't know if we have that, but I think I get the like, you know, when you go into a place and it's just yeah, like, and they're all like on a rack. Like, <laughs> it's Pocahontas, but it, it says exactly. like Indian princess. Or exactly, whatever. exactly, exactly. Yeah. The costumes were literally out of a pack that they put on. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and they had like bald plastic latex bald caps on yes. over the makeup and veins painted on. So it was a bit ropey. Mm-hmm. But I was dying for it to have come out just so I could see if it if if oh, loved. movie magic managed to Yeah, make paint, it better than it seemed. Make it good. <laughs> Cause then after after I'd after I'd scrabbled around with this plastic hand with the other joiner, um, I had a fight scene, um, where we would run at the heroes. Nah! And do a bit of fighting, um, and that was it. That was that was my day in a in a in a smoke filled sex dungeon, scrabbling around on the floor, 
<laughs> Mama said there'd be days like these. <laughs> Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise-en-scene. I don't think anyone has ever said mise-en-scene in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's you cold know. outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Welcome one day late this time, but thanks for waiting. Thanks for not giving up on us. If indeed you didn't give up on us. One day late, <laughs> but you know, we're always here and we're always gonna be here because Jack of all graves. We're putting our arms around you all as we cling on tight to one another. As we hurtle through the fucking void on our little speck of dust. In the knowledge that there's no fucking point to anything and it's cruel. But that's why we're here. Holding on because we know it just like you know it. And if we all stick together and share and have a bit of a cry, then things will be fine. Welcome to this week's Jack of All Graves, you fucking beautiful bunch of people. I've said before, these are just getting more and more intense, but I'm, I'm enjoying mm. it. It's just such a ride for me to sit here not knowing where, knowing you also don't know where you're going with this, but that I have no idea what's going every, to come out of your mouth next. It's wild. Every week that you prompt me to introduce the, the cast, I feel like the fucking guy from Network. You know, you know I've never actually seen that. Oh, it's very good. But I you know, know, you know exactly who I mean. You know, the fucking, the, the dude losing yeah, yeah, his I, shit on the news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Familiar, yeah. You do give off that vibe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did one of the boys said to me earlier on? What did he say? Dad, you are fun, but sometimes you're quite intense. I think they said. <gasps> no, stop. Yeah, yeah, really. You're fun, That's... Dad, but sometimes you're quite intense. That's what I think it was. Peter said to me earlier on today. And he's but... got. He's. Where's the lie? <laughs> He's 100% correct. Mm. Yeah. I, what did you say? Do you remember how you responded to no, this? No, I just uh... yeah, fair play. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's about right. You nailed me. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's not changing now, so I'm certainly not in, about kid. to change now, yeah. I've done all the changing I'm going to do. Sorry, this is this is the final. <laughs> I've, this is my final form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, welcome mm. to all of that that Mark has just said. Um to episode 39 of Jack of All Graves, and we are so, so glad that you are here joining us mm. once again. Yeah. Um, we, you know, Mark, I, I've missed you. You've been gone Thank you. this weekend. Um, and I feel like, see, here's the thing. So, like, yesterday I talked to my friends Brienne and Kristen, and we don't, like, video chat a whole lot, <laughs> but we talk every single day, you know? Like, yeah. we're on signal every single day talking to each other. And, like... Mm. This is the same with like like with Ben and Jason. Like I talk to them every day. Yes. Even if we don't like do this. And that was I like felt your absence mm. from <laughs> from my chat. It's like yeah, there same. are things I have to say to Mark and same, I don't know same. where to go with it. Do please uh you know, take sucker in the knowledge that it's by no means a one way street and in in over these past 39 weeks you know you've you've carved out a niche in my life corrigan and and you know the you're you were notable by your absence this week because i've been off grid i've been off grid i've been yeah. camping camping with my family which has been fun being outdoorsy yeah um 
eating lots, walking lots, uh, lots of activities, very little sleep, lots of sunburn. So it's been good. It's it's nourished me. You know what I mean? It's been good. It's blown yeah. the cobwebs off after this fucking horrendous shit bag of a year that we've all been through. So it's been yeah, nice absolutely. to enjoy open spaces and people. Uh, however long that's going to last, looking at the fucking <laughs> news. Yeah. Yeah, there's that. But for the time being, for now, it is for really today, nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for today, we can say it is really nice to just be able to sort of see other people, go mm-hmm. places, uh, you know, and feel some, if misguided, sense of safety about it and just take these mm. moments to be like, ah, breathe in the existence of other humans. Uh, I've certainly been enjoying that. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get into talking about the movies that we've seen lately. Yes. But yeah, uh, this week also, uh, we had a lively discussion on Facebook over last week's episode. Oh, uh, we did. We did. We did. We did. Our total, and this wasn't even what the episode was meant to be about, uh, but we sort of digressed into a little bit of an argument (laughs) about um, addiction and uh, and brain chemistry and things like that. I don't know if it was an if I would categorize it as an argument. Okay, a, a discussion, a debate. Yes, a... argument to me yeah. has a note of of a, an assumed hostility, and one thing you okay. and I are never is hostile. No, no hostility whatsoever between Ever. us about this, not in the slightest, um, or anything else. Yeah, you're right. You're and I, right. I, I will, I will say here what I said there. We shall revisit the topic, right? Yeah. We'll revisit it. We'll. Sprinkle a little bit more of that context on there. We'll we'll yeah we'll revisit because yeah. yeah. As hey. Mark said, he'll he'll learn more. I will learn more. I'll keep on. I mean, because that's the thing. It was a spur of the moment conversation. So you know, we neither of us were articulating ourselves the way that we would like to have articulated ourselves about the topic. And it was just you know just a little discussion that ended up being like a long digression. But I really appreciate all the sort of labor people put into discussing this on Facebook and Mm. sharing resources and all that kind of stuff. Um, Just like Richard posted like a lot of good um, links to stuff about this. uh, The article, the Guardian article in particular that he posted was a terrific read. Whatever uh, the discussion that preceded it, uh, that article in and of itself was a very, very, very engaging read. Yeah, definitely. And he'd also linked to stuff that was more like, that was a little bit more of a sort of, um, you know, from uh, someone's feelings perspective, Mm. you know, just talking about this as a lived experience, which I think was really interesting. But he had also sort of posted a few things that were more um, scientific in nature and talked about this stuff. uh, And I think think lived experience is, is, is at the absolute epicenter of the discussion, isn't it? And oh, yeah. what I what I what I cop to right now is probably oversimplifying things. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And, and yeah. So there's a lot more to it. Um, I think it's something that if we actually dedicated ourselves to like doing intentionally uh, mm. an a episode on. We could actually like talk about some really interesting things and whatnot. But all this to say, hey, thank you so much for all the discussion uh, that we had on Facebook. Uh, and, you know, just like I feel really good about the fact, also, like you said, how there's like there's no hostility in us talking about it. I also felt that very strongly on Facebook that mm. people felt safe and comfortable, you know, saying how they felt about stuff and whatnot and not like. They had to worry about <laughs> what mm. we were going to like think or how we were going to react. And I think that's a really 
cool thing that that's an environment where people feel yeah like i agree i mean what they think look of the many things that this podcast is turning out to be one thing it is not and god damn it on my watch will never be is a walled garden you know a confrontational place where mm-hmm. uh, ideas and opinions are not freely exchanged and everyone right. is not all the better for them so look we'll come back to it and who knows maybe i'll learn something maybe i won't i don't know I promise, I promise nothing. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, <laughs> no promises, but we, we will return to it at a later date and just want to thank you all for that. If you uh, missed all of that, hey, mm. join our Facebook group and you can read up, give your two cents, read some of the articles that have been posted, uh, whatever the case may be. We have a lot of fun in there and I highly recommend joining it. So look for Jack of All Graves on Facebook and you will find our group. Ask for an ad. We'll let you right on in. But be careful. Um, when you start, you won't be able to quit. <laughs> it's true we're like pringles that way once you pop you can't stop or you know methamphetamine <laughs> either pringles or meth take your pick both quite um, moorish whichever you have a harder time quitting mm. i guess um so uh also we have to start thinking about our next watch along we do uh, and look hey i am a magnanimous i am a benevolent i am oh ever giving and as i've pretty much guided the direction of the last fucking well all of the watch alongs i think it's hey i'm gonna throw you a, a life preserver here uh oh and... wow that's really nice of you that's so you. sweet thank you <laughs> It was tough, you know? But. Yeah, for you to, to let go of the reins <laughs> on this. Uh, so I am calling it, uh, as we sort of discussed during the last watch-along, mm-hmm. this watch-along shall be Boat Corps. Yes. So the I will... The lapping of the waves. Yes. The loneliness, um, the desolation, maybe the call of a distant seagull. <laughs> the dread that only comes from the open water. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm, I, I love fucking aquatic horror as easily as much as you do i fucking love a nice damp horror movie yeah so yeah i'm stoked on it it's gonna be super fun Mm. um if you have suggestions please let us know your favorite boat core movies um and we will uh, look into putting those into the poll for the next watch along we haven't picked a date yet but we will keep you posted on that it's gotta be Uh, june at some point yes yes I'm, I'm even looking to do. forward to doing uh, to revisiting a few. I mean, I know we spoke about Triangle way back in the day. I can't oh, wait to yes, watch triangle, triangle again because yeah. that also lends itself to loop core a little bit. There's some prestige in there as well, isn't there? Yes. And I, I, I remember deeply enjoying Triangle and I can't believe I've only seen it the once. Oh, I have seen it many, many times and mm. and quite enjoy it. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, yeah, give us your your picks if you have any. Um if not, I have plenty to contribute to the poll. I'm sure Mark does as well. And yes. I'm just stoked to get together again and uh, have another one of our wonderful watch-alongs with all you amazing people and watch my favorite genre. To be grand old time. Cool. Yes, 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 yes. Always is. Um. So with that, uh, what else have we been watching, I think, is is where we are. You you mentioned you've packed quite a bit in this week, have you? Yeah, yeah I have actually. Um, I don't I don't know why. I think maybe you know it was a a big work week for me, um, and I had like a lot of stuff due on Friday. And I think that what I did as soon as 
that was done mm-hmm. was just go straight to like, and now I'm just going to watch things. Was it because uh, I was away? You can say it if it was because I was away. That might, <laughs> maybe that was yeah. it. <laughs> it's like Mark's not here. Um, Block out the void. Yeah, I guess I'll just watch movies instead. <laughs> so um, I went to the movies, Mark. Oh, I, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I took my fam to go see Quiet Place 2. And I mean, literally, I was like, guys, get in the car at 2.15. We're going to go to the movies. I'm Place 2. seriously considering going myself on Thursday to see you gotta. it. Is it good shit? You absolutely have to. Yeah, it's good. Mm. It's like... I, it may be getting extra goodwill from me because I was so excited to be at the theater and it was such a wonderful experience, but it really is like this is the kind of movie you want to see in a theater yes. and you yes, understand yes. exactly why they only released it in theaters. Yep. You know, because there's so much uh, like this week Cruella came out as well, which I just started watching on Plex. Just I saw it today. Uh, there's no way I was going to. Yeah. Mm. Like, okay, it's uh, it's a thing that exists and I guess mm. while people are talking about it, I'll watch it, but I wasn't going to go to the movie theater and see that. There's no reason for that. Oh, Although God, there no. were tons of families there, like, you know, just enjoying the chance to get out and go and see a movie with the family. Neither am I giving Disney 20 quid for it either. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, 30 bucks for it here. Mm. It's just... I will say the, the, the boys were fucking into it. The kids loved oh. it. Mm. Well, good. Glad yeah. to hear that. You know, yeah. I mean, we're not the target audience for this movie, and that's very totally true. fine. Very true. Quiet Place 2 is absolutely just... I mean, from the moment I got there, one of my favorite things was like just such a good movie theater moment. They're showing trailers beforehand, <sighs> and there's like a new... <laughs> yeah, which I normally skip, but we were there, you oh. know, we were at the dine-in theater. I was like, yeah, we're doing this. I uh, walk in, and they're playing the new... I think it's Conjuring... Is that the what yep. the new one? Yes, there's a new Conjuring movie coming out, and I'm walking in front of it's. You know, the seats are the recliners in the theater, and I'm walking by this guy, uh, trying to get to my seat, and there's like a jump scare in the Conjuring trailer, and he straight <laughs> almost kicked me. He, <laughs> I was like, oh, I kind of had to like dodge his feet as a mm. result, and I was like, ah. Oh! I love seeing thing in the theater where this kind of thing happens. You get to experience other people's reactions to stuff. Oh, it was so good. I'd like to. I'd love to propose, in fact, uh, that we talk about this in a bit more depth in a future pod. The 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 experience of horror in the cinema, because mm, mm-hmm. a quiet place in particular was a wonderful experience mm-hmm. in the cinema. Uh, yeah. I don't know if if I've if I've spoken to you about this before, but I'm a, I I am the law when it comes to the cinema, and if you are speaking oh, yeah. around me, I will. <laughs> you'll fucking hear from me, and I I saw a quiet place in a. It was very, very full cinema, and there wasn't a fucking peep. You could hear a pin right. drop, and it was, yeah. wow! It was there was something happening on, on that screen. Yeah. It was brilliant, really good stuff. Absolutely. I mean, even it, that's the thing about seeing this was I was a little worried because at mm. the very beginning of the movie there was like someone having like a full conversation behind me, and I was like, oh god, come on! But they stopped, you know, like realizing this is a very quiet movie. Mm. <laughs> And it came to the point where, like, like my salad came and I was sitting there and I just started eating it. And I was like, I can hear myself crunching. Your salad? I'm going to put it down. Yes. It's a dine-in theater. I don't oh. go to non-dine-in theaters. That's that's just silly. Right. I need to be able to reserve my recliner and eat a salad. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> a dine-in theater? Yes. AMC in America is, like, largely dine-in theaters. So they have like a menu and you order and someone comes and they bring it to you. When it's non-COVID, there's even like a little button you hit and they come in and you order. Like a full meal. 
Yeah, like a full meal. Yeah. And drinks. They have a full bar. Incredible. (laughs) Yep. It's it's delightful. And that's like the, now it's the only way I see movies. I'm like, I don't, why would I go if I can't do that? If we, if we have those over here, I've not heard of them. Uh, Really? I mean, there, there, there are cinemas with like, you know, extra fancy galleries and, and, you know, pay an extra fucking tenner and you get unlimited nachos or whatever. But there's there's not a kind of a... <laughs> you don't get the, like, eat no. your dinner at the theatre. No, you oh, don't. I, I, like I, my, my I don't know if I like the idea or not. Because like you said, in a, in, a, in a film like Quiet Place, I don't want to be hearing some fucking noisy lip smacker two seats down from me. Nom, but nom. I mean, like, if people are eating popcorn or whatever, it's louder than, like, eating yeah, a burger. Sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, eh, it works out fine for the most part, as long as people aren't dicks about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, you know, I, I was sitting there eating, watching my movie, surrounded by people, having reactions to things. And it was just like, oh, it felt so incredibly good to mm. go and do that. And it's such a good, fun movie. I think maybe we can talk about it more next week once you've Love seen to. it too yeah yeah yeah, sure and uh yeah like go into it a little bit more but i think you're gonna have a really good time i think it's better than the first one to be honest with you it's really it's really quite a ride well you you know my you know my thoughts on what a sequel should do it should take what you know about the original and just go and just expand the universe and give you more but also thing, you know just making yeah. it wider yeah a thing people miss out on by not seeing the video of this is that as soon as you started doing that, I made exactly the hand motion you always <laughs> yeah, use when you talk about it. Expand the universe. Oh, is that what I do? Ah. You always do that. Expand the universe. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it does that. It's a really... Cool. Just a really nicely done movie. That's worth it. I also... So I finally saw Train to Busan. Okay. Uh, that was um, Joe Bob's movie this week on Shudder. So I was watching that with the Dead and Lovely crew. Mm-hmm. And I have the, I have this pet peeve, Mark. Okay. I hate when like, people really like a movie. Like Train to Busan, right? Everyone loves that movie. And when you're like, yeah, I don't, like, for me, I don't like zombies. Mm. And I don't like things with subtitles because I can't watch a movie and read at the same yeah. time. My brain's just not set up that way. And people do this thing, and they'll do it with other stuff. Train to Busan is just like my latest thing with it. But where they try to trick you so that you'll see the movie. Oh, but it isn't like other zombie movies. Yeah, okay. Right? Okay. You know, and, the, and they try to tell you, like, no, 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 no. Like, this isn't the same kind of thing so that you'll watch it because yeah. everyone, you know, <laughs> everyone loves this movie. Surely you will. You yeah. just need to be tricked into watching it. I don't like zombie movies and, and props to the dead and lovely people. Cause I was like, yeah, everyone was telling me like, it's not like other zombie movies. They were like, no, it is a zombie movie. Very it's much a really so, yeah. good one, but it's a mm. zombie movie. And so I didn't enjoy it because I don't like zombie movies. Mm. Um, and it just like, that's one of those, those things that bothers me. Do you ever have that where like you say you don't like a type of thing and someone like tries to convince you like, no, this one. Oh, this all the time. Different. And in the interest of self-awareness, I've probably maybe done it a couple of times myself <laughs> here or there. Uh, but I completely understand what you mean. And yes, Train to Busan is very much a zombie film. Why on earth? I, I, I'd like to see somebody argue that it isn't. Yeah, right? Like, and mm. it just, like, so I and went it's into a, it. And it's very much a subtitled zombie film. It's a... very much a subtitled zombie film. Two things that I do not enjoy. <laughs> yeah, and on paper, that's I not just... for you. And did you not enjoy yeah. it, no? 
I did not enjoy it. Like, mm. I just, I couldn't really, I couldn't get into it. Um, and yeah, if I have to read something, I'm not going to get attached to the people in it, like by any stretch. Like, you were elected so to that read, was... not to read. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it just, it didn't, it didn't work for me. I'm sure it is a very good zombie movie, but really the only zombie movies I ever like are like zombie comedies. And even that's like a stretch. I uh-huh. still find them too gross and I'm not super interested, but at least they can be funny. But that I'm, I'm very funny. used to the feeling of that cold kind of emptiness when you're watching a movie that is universally, everybody is like, oh, this film, this film. And you're about a third of the way through and you're going, I'm not I'm really not into this. <sighs> And then you start to yeah. question, is it, oh, fuck, is it me? Yeah. <gasps> right? Is there something wrong? Am I doing it? Am I watching it wrong? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then ref. there's, like, always that part of me that feels like an asshole, too. Like, a, like letting everyone down or something by, like... Yeah, of course. Or, and like, then you have to be like, too well, much of a I, didn't, about it? I didn't enjoy it at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck <laughs> exactly. off. Yeah. I'm like, I am not trying to tell you all you're wrong about mm. this movie. I'm just saying I know the person I am. Yeah. And know that it's like, my husband wants like really wanted to go see Scott Pilgrim in the theater and I watched the trailers and like he'd been listening to the soundtrack and everything and I was like Keo I'm gonna hate this movie and then we went and saw it and I hated it and yeah. he it ruined the experience for him and I was like why did you bring me yeah I told you oh. this was he like, <laughs> like looking at you yeah yeah well it, it, yeah, Scott Pilgrim? yeah it, like yeah. <laughs> it was like he just kind of like he could sense that I wasn't having a good time, mm. you know, and that was enough to be like, well, now I'm not having a good time. And, you know, he's since watched it and he loves it and whatnot. But that experience, I was like, why didn't you listen to me when I said I know what human I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I love Scott Pilgrim to bits if that, sure, if that yeah. fucking matters. I'm not saying movie. anyone's wrong. <laughs> I just Oh, here don't she like goes. It. Miss, I fucking don't like Scott Pilgrim. Here she is. <laughs> I'm so different. I'm not like the other girls. No, but... <laughs> uh, my version of that is One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead? Yes, One Cut of the Dead. It, uh, it's... Uh, it's it, ostensibly a subtitled zombie film, right? So you're out. Okay. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> completely gone. But it's it's got kind of layers of perception to it. It's a film within a film. And you mm-hmm. see the first half of the film. They're making the film within the film. And then the second half of the film, you see the film that they've shot in the first half of the film. And it's clever as fuck, right? It's very, very clever. And there is a lovely moment kind of two thirds of the way through where you realize, oh, that's what it is. Sure. But it, I, it, it just doesn't I, do anything. Nah, I, I get I get it. I get the equation yeah. that they've fucking put up there on the screen. But it, I, right. I wasn't bought into it at all. And... Everyone else except me uh, went gaga for this film, but not wasn't into it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It just happens sometimes, yeah, you does. know? And uh, with that, I suppose it wasn't necessarily that you were not the target audience for that. You could have maybe liked that. It just didn't hit for you. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it just... That's my <laughs> Train to Busan rant. Although you're... So the structure of that made me think of, like, linearity and whatnot. And there was another movie that I watched... Um, on Netflix called The Clove Hitch Killer. Have you come across that yet? The Clove Hitch Killer, no. Yeah, it's a it's a new one um, with Dylan McDermott in it, and it's about a uh, like a town where there was this serial killer, and he's like since stopped for like the past 
like decade or 15 years or something like that. Um, and so you kind of start with this narration of this kid being like, before I was born, there was this serial killer and there was like, you know, my town was gripped with fear over it or whatever, but then he stopped. Mm. Um, and then he's sort of unraveling this and he's like, I think my dad might be the Clovich killer. Oh, cool. Um, and so it's like he is and it fictional girl, or is it true? It's definitely based on BTK. Like, okay. yeah, that was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like as it there was like a point in it where suddenly I was like, oh, okay, I see what they're doing. This is mm. like he is definitely loosely based on BTK, mm. and that like having like a very normal suburban life, being the the coach, you know, all the stuff that BTK was, mm. absolutely what they're doing with with Clove Hitch. Um, but it's got this interesting non linearity in it um, that. I thought was done really well in in the movie because again with my weird ADHD sometimes I will get lost when you do mm. something like that like when I went to see Little Women and I just never knew when anything was happening <laughs> in that movie and came out of it like I've read this book a hundred times and I don't know what just happened in that movie <laughs> yeah. so confused this was even though it was not linear it was told in a way that I could keep up with and enjoyed and thought it was surprisingly good especially for a Netflix movie nice yeah, I've not seen it on uh, advertised it. on UK Netflix, but then again, I I I don't seem to use our Netflix account. Everybody else in the house uses our Netflix account except me. I don't know. Yeah, I go through phases with streaming services. Do you ever yeah. do that? Like yeah, where it's yeah, like completely. for a while I'm watching everything on this, and then mm. I don't open it for <laughs> months, and I'm like, oh right, I have Netflix. Mm. I should check that out. And that was yeah. In fact, wow. I think I I don't remember watching anything really on Netflix. Uh, Army of the Dead, but before that, Surviving Death, which I think we spoke of. <laughs> so really, it ago. was actually like your brain was just like, I'm not opening Netflix okay, for a while. No. I am, yeah. I'm not dealing with that shit. Um, yeah, and then the other two. Oh, I watched the um, uh, Dead and Lovely did Dead Man's Shoes. Have you seen that? Such a great film. Wow. Mm. Holy shit! What a movie. Yeah, I... delighted that that you've seen it. Um, yeah, I'd never even heard of it. Mm, yeah, Shane Meadows is is a, a director of some renown in uh, mm -hmm. in the United Kingdom. And yeah, Dead Man's Shoes uh, is yeah uh, always talked about with a lot of fondness, a lot of love. Yeah, it was. I mean, I had I went into it blind. I didn't know anything about it. Best um, way, but yeah, and I, yeah, honestly, I'm like I don't really know how to prepare for that movie or anything but on dead and lovely they were saying that actually a lot of the dialogue and even set pieces were improvised yes on yes. this and it's the film that introduced me to patty considine oh, um, who is incredible i've always loved him and he is a force relentless yeah 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 relentless my god he is brilliant and then you'll just see him in stuff like hot fuzz and whatnot where he's just like a goofy comedy character yeah. you know and you're like this guy, oh, he is everything. I just, yeah, absolutely love him. Highly mm. recommend that. Um, yeah, and then the other two things I watched were Children in the Corn and To Kill a, Children of the Corn and To Kill a Mockingbird, both of which I had not seen in a very long time, and both of which are not as good movies as people seem to think they are. No, I can well, I can well believe that at least about <laughs> Children of the Corn, and yeah. I'd love. Uh, a future watch along maybe to be Stephen King themed but I, oh, I have oh yes, yes I have I, and maybe a deep cut you know what I mean some of the deep cuts yeah. not your big hitters but I, I oh, have no memories oh that's a good idea yes I have a no memories of Children of the Corn 
yeah it's people act like it's like extremely scary and nightmarish and i think when i was a kid i did think so but it doesn't hold up in the slightest in no. fact when i think of the title children of the corn i think of the song by the band corn uh or it was an <laughs> album i don't know but but corn now is spelled with a k corn. in my head yeah so that's good corn that, that <laughs> honestly corn. reflects pretty well on what that movie was so mm. yeah a friend you of mine used managed... to call that band Quorn. Quorn? Oh, um, Do you have Quorn in the States? Oh, Quorn is is a, in Britain, Quorn is Q-U-O-R-N. It's a kind of a mycoprotein meat substitute. Oh, I have seen that before. Okay, yeah, yeah I think I'd come across that. Uh, and the joke would be <laughs> that it, it kind of looks a bit like metal and tastes a bit like metal, but it's not metal. Quorn. Okay, I got you. I'll take it. Okay. It's cleverish. Yeah. We were young. You only managed to watch one movie, though, this week, yeah? I did, uh, and it was a belter in the earth, um, Ben Wheatley's eco-horror, uh, and I know at least one Joe Ag listener would fucking eat this film for breakfast. Uh, very timely, you know, riddled with pandemic paranoia, pandemic dread, disease, psychosis, mm. um, and a, a, a wonderful concept that you know nature is a is a is a it's a network it's a being that can be communicated with okay uh, almost like a, a network a mycelium kind of network that spreads throughout the earth and that can be fucking literally spoken to and responded uh, back to um this is very john keel and it's a very super spectrum eight. John Keel is the guy who wrote the Mothman prophecies. Okay. Uh, and yeah, believed in the concept of ultra terrestrials, not extraterrestrials that mm. exist among us along this thing. Called very the super much spectrum so. It's very much in the, along those lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, uh, ben Wheatley and full of his trademark unflinching fucking gore. There's a lot of uh-huh. very, very, very uncomfortably drawn out shots of kind of you know physical harm and pain and violence and it's relentlessly bleak and soaked in dread uh it goes over it overloads on the psychedelics and the visuals towards the end uh solid four stars really 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 enjoyed it okay i'm looking forward Mm. to seeing that then i'd love Um, i think we attempted to watch it together but it wasn't available on anything here yet so Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I actually saw that you can rent it now. Um, oh, good. So I'll have to check that out and see what it's like after I finish my six-part watch of uh, the Dalmatian movie, Cruella. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> like I already you know, was like, what's that movie called? <laughs> we watch it in three bits, three chunks. And it, oh, did you? For it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, it's, uh, just, in, like, in it's the, two hours and 20 minutes or whatever. It's like that's a long way too That's way too fucking long. To tell the story of fucking Corel Deville. Firstly, I I ask serious questions about whether or not there's a movie there in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a very valid question to start with. And probably someone should have asked that when they began making this. And the answer, of course, is it worked for Maleficent. Everybody paid to see Maleficent. Seems to have worked for Joker. You know people can't see that, what you just did, right? I'm doing the rub hands money gesture, yeah? I'm doing the doo-doo-doo rubby finger. (laughs) Like like 
that that song you just did somehow would tell people that it's about money. <laughs> you know, I'm doing the money jingle, don't it's you know? A, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a, an auditory medium mark podcasting. People can't see you doing the rub fingers money. This is the rub fingers money gesture I'm doing. I'm doing it to the mic. Maybe you can hear that. Um, That's a very ASMR. Because. This is the grim fucking inevitability, right? It's been really well-reviewed, Cruella. It's been really highly, you know, critics loved it. My kids loved it. Alan, my brother, whose opinion I hold in such high regard, really enjoyed it. So, obviously, there's going to be fucking Ursula, the movie, next. Jafar, I dare say they'll trot out a fucking well, origin story for him. i watched the shit out of an Ursula movie. Ursula was I'd... always my favorite when I was a kid. I uh, loved, like, more than... I was not into Ariel when I was okay. a kid. I was wicked into Ursula. I had a like ursula toy i took in the bathtub with me all the time yeah which i think came from like a happy meal or something like yeah that. yeah, yeah. it was like that's one that I'll, I'll grant i am the target audience for and even as i'm saying the reason i went to jafar next was because i would watch the living fuck out of a jafar <laughs> no, movie it's like it actually doesn't sound like that bad of an idea <laughs> god damn it uh... it's just cruella was itself is a weird one to start with and like the this is not really a spoiler because it's the first 10 minutes of the movie but to have like the catalyst for this being that like dalmatians killed her mom or like <laughs> she so killed amazing. her mom with dalmatians so is, fucking weak isn't it it just it makes you realize what a dumb idea this movie is where yeah. like that was the best origin they could come up with was uh dogs knocked her mom over as you're talking i am pitching a jafar origin movie to myself in my head and it's pretty cool um, okay. Maybe it shows him growing up as like an acolyte to some other fucking, you know, dark magician and he's learning his ways. And maybe he gets scorned in love mm. or maybe, uh, you know, maybe... <laughs> Jafar maybe... the incel. That's it. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly how it turns out. Because it doesn't go unnoticed to an adult Mark that grown up Jafar puts Jasmine in a fucking hourglass in a bikini or, or you know, that's fucking... Yeah, so the, the, he's obviously a little bit incel and all he wants is power, unlimited fucking power. So that's, I think, where that origin story would come from. And like n- Now that's like, it's kind of like Goob and Meet the Robinsons, isn't it? Like if he was spurned by a girl I and not his... It. Oh... Mark. Meet the Robinsons. Meet the Robinsons. You have to see Meet the Robinsons. One of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. Um, yeah, it's about a kid uh, who is trying to get adopted and having right. terrible luck at it because he's a little bit too eccentric and he wants to be an inventor and all of this kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, and then ends up getting transported to the future in a time machine with Ooh. this other kid. Uh, but has to defeat this guy called the bowler hat guy who steals the time machine. Um, and it's just, it's super funny and like very moving and uh, everything about it is just a delight. I watch it all the time. Uh, have you seen the Mitchells versus the machines yet? I did watch that. It didn't, thoughts? didn't get me as much as it seems okay. to have gotten everybody else. Okay. Okay. Oh, did you enjoy it? it? Loved it to pieces. Good. Mm? I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, most people did. This yeah. is another one of those, like, it just, I told someone, I was like, I think I don't relate to functional families, like, at all. Mm. And I was like, I just don't understand any of the conflict or anything in here because it seems like these people like each other. Mm. So <laughs> it didn't quite work for me, but uh, but I'm glad that other people like it. And I will give it a rewatch. I think people love it so much. Yeah, I, they, give it another it, I think it will reward rewatching. There's lots going on there. Yeah. yeah. This, maybe I just wasn't in the right mood. 
to watch it. I fucking love movies, man. <laughs> I was thinking about that when I was listening to someone talk about um, uh, Dead. What was the recent? Army of the Dead. Yes. Um, and like the thing is, the vast majority of people who I have talked to about it or seen talk about it and whatnot, like were like, this was garbage and whatnot. But I kept thinking the whole time that I was like, Mark really enjoyed it. And all I kept thinking was, Mark loves movies. You yeah, know? Yeah. And that was like, I feel like there's something kind of pure about your enjoyment of that movie because it really yeah. is like, it just like really is, it's a movie. It, it is. It's a big fucking feast of a movie. Yeah. And you, you sit down and just, I, I, I gave it the whole home experience yeah. with the fucking exactly. fancy lights and the curtains drawn. And I went right in and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it yeah, a lot. And, and you enjoyed that. So I don't know. There's something kind of fun about when you're just like, I'm just leaning into the moviness yeah. of this, which is also, you know, with A Quiet Place too, kind of how I, I felt mm. about it. Like, again, I think it is really, really good. Um, but also the moviness of that movie really hits you. When it's exactly it. what I did within the earth as well. Mind. Uh, mm -hmm. Just I decided, right, whoot, let's fucking zoom in and... Let it yeah. let it do what it's gonna do, and I loved it. So maybe there's a lot to do with that. Maybe if I'm casually watching a movie over the top of my phone, I get less out of it. I don't know. Yeah, Imagine I think that. probably that's probably a thing a lot of us also need to like reckon mm. with is yes. that our judgments of movies come from the fact that if they don't hook us yes. immediately, yeah, we don't give them our full attention. I'm certain you know? I've said and... this before, but the highest compliment you can give a film these days yeah. is I didn't touch my phone. That, that's generally exactly. the nicest thing you can say about a film. Yeah. And I don't think like, I don't know that we all fully process that we do that and we blame the movie for it. We go like, mm. well, it should have held been better. my attention. Yep. Um, as opposed to like, well, did you really, because yesterday I was watching a YouTube video about Andrew Wakefield, the, the guy who sort of kickstarted the modern anti-vax movement. Mm. And it was an hour and a half long video about this. And it's, um, H bomber guy. Who's one of my favorite YouTubers, just like a smart British dude who, uh, talks about things in kind of an engaging way. Mm -hmm. And I sat and I watched the entire thing. And I like, you know, occasionally would check my phone just in case of stuff or whatever. But I sat and I watched it and yeah. I got so much out of it. And I'm like, it's so rare that I do that. And then I have like a judgment about a movie or whatever the heck I was watching when I'm like, I can't really fully say I gave it everything. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we need to reevaluate our relationship with movies and how much we hate them for not being able to snag us right away and keep us off our phones. Yeah, I think, is there, is there, I'm tempted to think, is there, is there more that movies could be doing in terms of being experimental, creating, is there, is there the potential to extend a movie across two screens so that what you're looking at in your hand ties into yeah. the narrative that you're looking at in the big screen? And then I think, didn't Quibi try something like that lately and died on its ass? Well... I mean, I think that they didn't quite do that because they didn't make a transmedia effort. They just made it, it's on your phone. And what that did was just like, well, but people do want to be on their phone. And mm. now they can't use their phone for anything else because they're You've... watching something on it. So, so <laughs> they, okay. didn't, they didn't do that. Don't tell me you wouldn't at least try something which you hit play on your fucking big screen or on your phone at the same time. 
and maybe you your phone simulates you get a call of someone who's in the fucking movie right or you get you see the texts of the character that you're looking at on the screen yeah you look totally. at your phone you see what they're seeing surely there's yeah. something that fucking surely by now because you know the ubiquitous phone hanging off your arm isn't new that's been around for fucking right. years yeah. why why hasn't someone tried to at least have a crack at folding it in yeah. to the well, format? Well, you see, like, the success of stuff like Bandersnatch, was that what it was called? The, yes, it the was. The Black Mirror thing of having some sense of interaction mm-hmm. um, with it. And I think the transmedia thing was really kind of a, at least a popular concept before even the ubiquity of the phones, trying to create something that went along with your television watching experience that you could also be doing something on the internet that related to it at the same time like lost was one of the early adopters of this yeah so i do think like that is maybe a missed opportunity if you give people something on their phone to do that's related to that then maybe they will only engage with your media and not scroll through twitter or exactly you know i'm thinking you know for example you've got two characters on your tv you've got two characters on your big screen having a conversation, one of their phones go off, you look at your phone, you see what that one character is seeing, which changes the fucking, that guy's the fucking murderer. Oh shit, I know, he knows, (laughs) he doesn't know. Ah, Right, yeah, oh man, that would be so cool. Mm. All about that. And yet, years in, to this... No, that's not a thing. No one's done it. Well, sounds like you have to do it, Mark. Well, I'm not gonna, am I? (laughs) (laughs) That's a decision you're making. I mean, nobody's (laughs) stopping you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, nah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Fine. So this goes nowhere. Maybe some listener of ours somewhere. But what will I will enjoy, what I will enjoy doing is when somebody else does it, I'm going to enjoy knowing that I thought of it first. Yeah, you could be like, you know, I thought of that. Mm-hmm. I said that years ago. Anyway, we're 50 <laughs> fucking minutes in. <laughs> Once again, I knew this was going to be a long one. And in fact, I was going to say at the beginning that people, you know, remind people that there are timestamps in this and you yes, should look for the timestamps if you there actually are. want to hear what we're talking about. But I also have a really hard time believing there are people who listen to this podcast specifically yeah. for us to be on topic. For learning. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, no, that just feels like <laughs> that listener doesn't exist. No. So, no. it's fine. <laughs> we but do if you, it, yeah. Here. If you do want to come down rabbit holes with us, obviously we're super grateful. But Cory is good enough to leave you little breadcrumbs to guide you out. Check out the blog. There are timestamps and reminders that, yes, the nuggets are there should you wish to look for them. But otherwise, just come along. It's fun. Yeah, just follow us on this journey. We don't know Mm. where it's going any more than you do. Nope. But the destination we are aiming for this week uh, is to talk about um, tragedies on film sets. And I don't remember... Was I reading about something? Why did I... I feel like I messaged you and was like, we need to talk about movie uh, set tragedies. There was certainly... I, 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 I do remember that there was a particular story which sparked your interest, but there are so yeah. many of them. And it, it yeah. stands to reason when you think of how busy and, you know, potentially fucking... So many potential sources of fatality on a film set. Yeah, Um, which are supposed to be mitigated by various mm. things to keep that from being the case. But often, uh, I mean, you have freak things that go wrong and you have negligence and you have people cutting corners and all kinds of things that lead to Mm. some really horrifying things that have happened on movie sets. Now, I figured we'd start with kind of a classic out the gate um, Mm. that people may or may not be familiar with. 
Um, I think people who are into the kind of dark stuff we are at least have like a, a, a they they know that this happened, if not the mm. details of it. <clears throat> Sorry, I've got like I like swallowed soda down the wrong tube. <laughs> um, so uh, let's talk about let's talk about the Twilight Zone, Zone movie. Uh, and uh, why none of us should be surprised that Max Landis is a giant asshole, yeah. considering the anus does not fall far from the dick tree. Beautifully put. <laughs> yeah, this is absolutely horrifying. So it's July 23rd, 1982, at the Indian Dunes racetrack in Santa Clarita, California. John Landis wants to make some big explosions, and he will stop at nothing to get those giant booms. And since he's known for being a set tyrant, no one is going to great lengths to stop him from doing what he wants, despite the clear reasons they very much should have. So straight out the gate, before we even like get to just like how stupidly dangerous this was in the first place, mm. We're starting with him violating California's child labor laws in ah, making this film. Yeah, I do know about this. I did read. Yeah. <clears throat> so there are actually a lot of rules about like the hours kids can work and naturally about the danger that they can be in on mm. a set. And one of the like basic rules is that like they can't be in night shoots. You know, um, and he's like, well, that's a pain in my ass. And he didn't he wasn't even interested in pursuing the proper avenues to do this. Right. Like he didn't even like it wasn't like he came up against a wall and was like, oh, I just can't. The bureaucracy, I can't cut through it. He didn't even attempt it. He was like, it's going to be too much work to get them to let me have kids on set at night mm. with explosives. Those two things. Nobody's going to let me do that. So we'll I just talked, pay some. I, Go ahead. I talked about movie magic in the sex dungeon earlier on, right? I'm certain. <laughs> yeah. I'm fucking certain that a filmmaker of of Landis's think caliber of something else to do. If only there was a way of simulating nighttime. Right. Yeah. Can't can't imagine. Or finding people who are small enough to look like children. Like yeah, yeah, any yeah. number <laughs> of things could have been done yeah. to to do this instead of having kids work. Uh, in dangerous conditions at night. But he decided we're going to just pay some kids under the table to do this. So uh, production secretary's husband, so not even the production secretary themselves, but, like this must have been going around the set like, hey, like we want to get kids on this, but like does anyone know any like whose parents would be willing to let them do this? So production secretary husband, and this is, oh God, it's so bad because when you realize who these kids are and that these are like Asian immigrant kids, you realize also oh. that they went to people who they knew would not, would think this would be safe and mm. who were not going to have the resources to be like, Hmm, maybe we should sign a contract or something like that. Right. Mm. So the production secretary's husband approached his colleague, Peter uh, Wei Te Chen and was like, uh, like, do you know any kids who might want to be in this movie? And he immediately thought of his six-year-old niece, Renee Xinyi Chen. Uh, and then he called another colleague who had a seven-year-old son who was known to be very outgoing and to enjoy having a camera on him. His name was Micah Din Lei. He was Vietnamese. Um, so the scene was like a very typical Twilight Zone vignette. Like, did you, did you watch Twilight Zone? I've like, seen I I I I've seen barely any of the show, but I've seen the Twilight Zone movie uh -huh. time and time again. Okay, well, the show 
I mean, which is one of my favorites. Like, it's a pretty common theme to have these, uh, like, like, Rod Serling was an early social justice warrior. So he was often making episodes that were about, like, some sort of terrible person, often Nazis, uh, getting sent to, say, like, a concentration camp or back in time or things like that uh, and getting their comeuppance while there. Um, and that was essentially what this this vignette was about. A bigot gets launched back in time to the Vietnam War and sees firsthand the consequences of the kinds of prejudices he hold. And this guy was played by actor Vic Morrow, who was a very successful star. He's actually Jennifer Jason Lee's dad. Hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, he was to be at the end of this as sort of a way of... Um, like redeeming himself he's carrying these two vietnamese children to safety from an american air raid led by this helicopter flying over head uh but things went horribly wrong uh landis had been told that the helicopter was flying way too low and was in danger with the explosives coming too close but he wanted the shot and he didn't listen the helicopter was being piloted by an actual vietnam war vet named dorsey wingo and he was not like he wasn't a movie guy. He like he was an actual war pilot. Um, and so he was like he wanted it, it like he was like, this is terrifying me in rehearsals. He's like, these explosions are coming super close uh, and I don't feel good about this. But mm. because Landis was such like an enormous dick and was like constantly screaming at people on set about things and whatnot, Wingo just like kept his mouth shut about it. He was like, I, I'm like going to get fired. I'm going to get screamed at. So I'm just going to suck it up and, you know, deal with the fact that this is terrifying. Um, so this is how Slate described what happened. Are you looking at the video? Is that what you're, yeah, the yeah. video's horrifying. Um, so when the cameras rolled, pyrotechnic fireballs, fireballs engulfed Wingo's helicopter, forcing him down into a river where the actors waited. As a hundred or so people looked on, the right skid of the aircraft crushed six-year-old Renee, who was a few feet from Morrow, who had dropped her. The helicopter then toppled over, and its main blade sliced through Morrow and seven-year-old Micah. Uh, according to um, the book Outrageous Conduct, there was shocked silence until Renee's mother started shrieking as she kneeled over her daughter's lifeless body. Morrow never got to deliver his scripted line, I'll keep you safe, kids. I promise. Nothing will hurt you. I swear to God. Yeah, it's absolutely horrifying. And as Mark just discovered, you can see the footage of it um, just on YouTube anywhere. It's very grainy, obviously, but you can see exactly what happens as this helicopter crashes into the water. Um, And one moment you've got Vic and the kids running away and the next it's just they're gone. You know, they're whatever happened, happened. Um, and there were civil suits that were settled against Landis in the studio, but no criminal charges ended in conviction, despite the best efforts of L.A.'s deputy D.A. Uh, Lee D'Agostino, who like theatrically tried to get people to realize how terrible what Landis did and was like, this is he should be being prosecuted for what he's done here because he did it on purpose. He he was thought he was above the law and could get away with whatever he wanted to do. And sure enough, he did, went on to have a successful career, uh, making Coming to America soon after this. And people just straight stopped talking about the fact that he decapitated Vic Morrow and murdered two children on this set. Uh, Like, honestly, if you haven't 
sort of intentionally read about this kind of stuff. Like this is not when you see John Landis in something, they don't introduce him as man who yeah, killed yeah, people yeah, yeah. on set, which they absolutely should. Um, but it did have a lot of impacts on the industry and its safety rules. More guidelines were implemented, implemented for dangerous stunts. New requirements were put in place, like always having an ambulance on set with stunts. Um, okay. Crew members who raise concerns about safety have more protections now so that yeah. they don't have to worry about being fired if they confront a director about something unsafe. Um, and obviously they're not foolproof, as we will continue to see, uh, but they have changed a lot about how Hollywood does stunts. But mm. just absolutely horrifying. And I loved that movie as a kid, by the way. I think the way that I discovered this when I was in high school or something was like Googling like, oh, I love that movie and reading and being like, holy shit. This is yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, uh, did you ever read... Eddie Murphy's uh, interview where he speaks at length about his experiences with John Landis on Beverly Hills no. Cop. No. It's was worth... it terrible? Yes. The the guy uh just just an out and out dickhead uh, until confronted face to face it would seem by Eddie Murphy. Um and yeah. I I don't yeah. know how you, you you get the impression that you read the interview and you don't know how much of it is apocryphal or you know it's it's sure. you've only got Eddie Murphy's voice in this interview. Right. But, it, but it it's paints. certainly backed up by everything else that you yeah, have ever it... heard about John Landis. Mm -hmm. It's a very, <laughs> very interesting read. And that's what's like wild about it. Like people like that just get away with it because they're unchallenged, right? And yes. and he, like someone like Eddie Murphy going up and finally saying it to his face, then maybe he'll change his tune. Mm. But the fact that he knows that 98% of people who encounter him will never say to his face what he's doing is wrong... Yeah, yeah. Means he can just get away with it. And then when you get away with murdering three people, you know. Well, yeah, where's the fucking ceiling? Yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's. You basically can do whatever you want from that point forward. Mm. I mean, that's. That feels to me like one of the most egregious examples of a tragedy as a result of just sheer bloody minded, uh, just complete disregard for. I've got another one coming, but oh, it's up there. Yeah. Please, please bring it. Well, did you want to? Do you want me to tell well, mine first, and then you go to yours, or? No, I mean, there, there, there are plenty of examples that you could turn to of just bad fucking luck and poor mm. communication and unknown variables resulting sure. in in tragedy, and it, it does. There's a part of me that 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 has a wry little smile on my face that I would talk on the podcast about a guy called Roy Kinnear, right? Okay. Who you, I, I guarantee you've seen the guy if the name doesn't ring a bell, right? Roy Kinnear was uh, a British character actor who was, I think it's, it's safe to say was, was, you know, quite beloved uh, by, by a large part of, of the kind of British TV Oh yeah, movie definitely seen living. that guy before. Yeah, you you'll no doubt know him from um Charlie and Chocolate Factory. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mhm. Mm Do are you aware of how he met his demise? I am not, I don't think. Uh so he had a long working relationship with a director by the name of Richard Lester. Um okay. very prolific director who made uh, he was behind the camera in Superman 2 and 3. Uh he worked a lot with the Beatles, he made a lot of the Beatles movies. And uh, his final his final film was The Return of the Musketeers, right? A sequel to The Three Musketeers based on the, the, the kind of the Dumas novel 
which in itself was a sequel to The Three Musketeers. 20 years later, I believe it was called or something similar. Uh, shot entirely in Spain. And a lot of Roy Kinnear's role was uh, on horseback, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Kinnear, not an experienced horseman. Um, sure. Is that the title, a horseman? I don't know. I'm I'm good with horses. Am I a horseman? I don't know. Oh, he's, he's not an equestrian guy. Let's <laughs> equestri- go. Like that. Let's go with equestrian. Although yeah. I like horsemen. Horsemanship. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Horsey guy. Yeah, horse horse lad. Uh, <laughs> lots of stories from the set of of kind of um, poor communication between a largely Spanish speaking crew mm. um, and the English speaking Richard Lester and English director and Roy Kinnear and and a largely English cast uh, and. Stories talk of miscommunication with regards to the set. Uh, it's it said that the Spanish crew kind of watered down the set to to simulate rainfall when they ought not to have done. Roy Kinnear was given like a, a 15, 20 minute uh, space before shooting to practice his scene on the horse. And when the scene rolled uh, and the horse had to grind to a halt, they slipped. Roy Kinnear fell off the horse, broke his pelvis and uh, bled quite badly internally and went on to suffer a heart attack the next day and died from a horse riding accident on set. Oh, man. Yeah, really sad. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's just like that kind of combination of... Yeah. Like, it's not negligence. It's just communication breakdown yeah. and, like, mixed mm. with a freak sort of set of circumstances. Like, everything kind of worked together mm. in the perfect storm of ingredients to end up with. Yeah, that. and, you know, it, it ended... Richard Lester's career. He he and, and Kinnear were, were excellent friends and he, he didn't make another movie after that. Um, of his own volition, he was like, his, I'm done with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, I, I just don't have it in me anymore. Uh, and, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that'll ruin your love of filmmaking, that's for sure. I killed unless, my friend by accident. Exactly, exactly this. Uh, and then you hold that next to motherfuckers like John Landis. Well, you know? yeah. Like, that sh- your reaction should be, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, I lost the love for this because I did yes. something terrible. If you're John Landis... Not so much. Also, the thing with John Landis, too, like, not to harp on it, but, like, he also went and, like, you know, cried big old crocodile tears about how sad he was about what happened and whatnot. But, like, Mm. again, just kind of, like, went on and never really talked about this again and didn't let it affect his life. And it's just, like, Mm. you're gross. You're gross, dude. I'd believe it. I'd believe how sad you were if this was your reaction, Yeah. you know, or anything like that. But, yeah. Terrible. Yeah, died at 54. Horrible. And I just Googled, his son is Rory Kinnear. Absolutely. Yes, he is. I know who that mm-hmm. is. Yeah. yeah. And who, who talks at length and quite movingly about his dad's death uh, right up to this day. He recently lost his sister as well through COVID, which is... Oh, come on. Yeah, man. Really rough. Yeah, seriously. Uh, do you uh, want me to share my other gross negligence story? I'd, I'd, yeah, yeah, I do. I actually do. I mean, because <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. You, the, the, you can't, you can't talk about this for too long without at least mentioning Brandon Lee. Yes, you which know, we're it's... also. I figured we'd talk also more about that because next week mm. we're going to talk about cursed films and film curses. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. this is a little bit of a of a bridge between the two. But yeah, Brandon oh. Lee, of course. And it, it was only um, while reading about it today that I, I, I finally got my head around what actually happened. It was a, a poorly loaded prop gun, which had a, a yeah. jam in it. 
Um, Which is like such a freak sort of thing too, you know, like, uh, and, and again, there's a touch of negligence, but not on behalf of the people who did it. It's the production company that said, you know, oh, send the person who's an expert in this home. We'll just have our crew do it. Mm. Uh, And then the crew did not know how to tell that they had done this wrong. And Brandon Lee is accidentally shot by what should have been a blank. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, Horrific. Um, You know, my feelings, you know, my feelings on the crow, though. You know what should be happening. You know what they should be doing with that film. And I know I'm pretty sure there's a big anniversary of it coming up. Uh, Is it? it Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. It is the 35th, perhaps. Oh, wow. I know. It can't be the 35th, surely. No, that can't be right. Because, no, that doesn't make sense. Maybe. 94, 2004, 2014. Oh, it's coming to the 30th. Yeah, we're in between anniversaries. Yeah. Still got a little bit before that. Oh, God. I can't count. I can't fucking (laughs) We're not going to do this. No, You at home can do your own math on how many years. We're at with the but crow. yeah, my point is, my point is, the technology exists now to fucking finish those scenes because yeah. you. I didn't notice it so much as uh, at the time being young, uh, but you can tell, man, on the on this, mm-hmm. this the the scene where he's in his apartment, suiting up for the first time, that it's shot from behind, and yeah, you know, they're it, deliberately it, trying not to give clearly, you too much of a look at who is there. Yep, they could finish that film properly now. Just yeah, you're absolutely right. Use the same right. kind of technology as. Yep. Guardians of the Galaxy and all those kinds of things have used. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to think that they would do that. Yeah, maybe, maybe someday. Write to somebody. I don't know. Get it to happen. I did tweet Alex Prius, but he, he did not get back to me. <sighs> Absurd. Mm. Uh, Go on. You were saying. You were saying. So one of the another terribly egregious um, instance of this happening was on February twentieth, twenty fourteen when a 27-year-old camera assistant named Sarah Jones was killed on the set of a film about Greg Allman called Midnight Rider, okay. uh, which was starring William Hurt and Wyatt Russell. Uh-huh. Um, and this, again, this shit was ominous from the start, and everyone seemed to be able to feel it. Like, when you hear people who were there talk about what happened, like, there was just a vibe where everyone was like, this is, something is off here, something terrible is going to happen. Um, So the scene in question that they're filming was a dream sequence with William Hurt lying in a bed on a train trestle on a bridge. And it's a dream Mm. sequence that is is happening. And he's seeing like Wyatt Russell, I guess, like a younger version of him playing the guitar um, on the train tracks. Um, And uh, there is if like, you know, you've know anything about movie production and things like that. If you're going to be on something like a train track, you have so many people there who are overseeing this. You're going to have representatives from the trains. You're going to have safety people. You're going to have all these people here to make sure nothing goes wrong. Yep. They did not have any of that. And in fact, there is written documentation that the the CSX railway had Mm -hmm. said, you do not have permission to film oh, here. They told no. them specifically, you cannot film on this. Uh, and the filmmakers kind of prided themselves on like guerrilla filmmaking and had talked about on other films, like kind of flaunting uh, the kinds of rules and regulations that they were supposed to do and doing things that were a little like, you know, risky and whatnot. And so Hubris. I think, yeah, to them, they were just like, oh, this is just another case of this. Mm. Uh, so they're denied. The fact that they're denied the ability to um, 
to be on this, but they do it anyway. Uh Along with that kind of thing, addition to railway safety personnel monitoring a set, uh, usually the ca the crew and cast should have been provided with call sheets with detailed notes on safety. So, like, how do you conduct yourself? What if there's an emergency? What kind of things do you do around a train track when you're filming on it? They received nothing of the sort uh, about this. Um, and there has been, yeah, like, the crew have reported this and nothing has come out to say that they ever did get this. Um, mm. Ordinarily... On a location shoot like this, you would have an on-site medic. Uh, mm -hmm. But not only did they not have an on-site medic, at one point, uh, William Hurt required a Band-Aid, and they didn't even have Band-Aids. They had to go oh. to the costume designer and be like, God. do you have one? And like the costume designer happened to have one. Um, and as they... So, like, one of the things that people have talked about, including, like, the makeup artist on this, was, like, they didn't realize how low-budget this film actually was you know you've got like a major star like William Hurt in it you're thinking like this sure. is this is like a legit operation and so they were already surprised by the fact that they were working on a much more low budget film than they expected to be working on and Sarah Jones the girl who was killed had commented on this to her family like yeah it's surprisingly low budget she is she'd been working as um a camera op for the vampire diaries um up until until this point and was like a very like key part of the Van Vampire Diaries crew. In fact, after this, like mm. the actors, everybody came out and like spoke about her um, and just like what the fuck happened, you know? Yeah. Um, so also uh, when they set up this shot from shore, several dozen yards away, a voice shouted to the crew that in the event a train appeared, everyone would have 60 seconds to clear the track. Uh, the makeup arti artist, Joyce Gilliard, uh, said everybody on the crew was tripping over that. A minute? Are you serious? Uh, by now, she and two other crew members were nervous enough that they gathered in an informal prayer circle saying, Lord, yeah, Lord, please protect us on these tracks. Surround us with your angels and help us, Lord. This is not how it should be on a set. Well, no. <laughs> uh I don't know if prayers are gonna make much of an impact on a train. No, I don't. I don't think that's how that works. No. Regardless, if you think that somehow that that's going to protect you, fine. Like if that's your belief system, cool. However, when you're on a set, you should not be relying relying no. on Jesus to protect you. The production no. should be protecting you from. Carman himself couldn't have fucking stopped that train. <laughs> right. Like that's just. It's so crazy to think that these people were nervous enough about this to pray. that they felt that they needed to pray over the production. Mm. Like, that's terrible. Um, so uh, Joyce Gilliard said that, like, like basically, and you can, again, there's video of this, too, from multiple angles, because um, there was a train, there was, like, a um, camera on the train itself, and then, like, one of the cameras is someone was, like, running with it, trying to get down the tracks, all of a sudden, they realize, you know, someone calls out like, hey, there's a train coming. And Gilliard said, like, before she knew it, it was upon them. Right. Because it's going 60 miles per hour. By the time you see that it's coming. How long ago are we, are we talking here? When was this? 2014. OK. Yeah. Um, so she said she found herself clinging to one of the girders when she couldn't uh, get off the tracks in time. But the blast pressure and wind from the trains passing ripped Gilliard's left arm away from her body and straight into the train. It snapped like a stick. With one hand still on the girder, she looked down and saw a, 
her bones sticking out of her sweater. And then she saw blood. She grabbed a sheet that had come loose from the mattress that had been out there and wrapped her bleeding arm inside it. With the train howling past just inches behind her, she threw herself onto two metal wires that stretched between the girders and along the gangplank, thrust her head out over the river below, and shut her eyes. One of the first things she saw when she opened her eyes again was the lifeless body of Sarah Jones, her body and face mangled. So, like Gilliard, she had tried to find shelter on the gangplank, but when the train hit the bed and the mattress, which they'd been unable to fully clear, right? So they were trying to pull all those props off there and then realized they couldn't get off safely and get the bed. They kind of left it. Uh, so the, uh, the mattress oh sent debris flying, um, mm. which probably hit Jones and propelled her into the train's path. Um, and uh, she fell onto the tracks. So, uh, yeah, still photographer uh, nearby managed to pull someone else who'd fallen onto the tracks off of it. Uh, there were people sobbing. Uh, they were, the crew pulled Jones's body off of the tracks themselves uh, before calling the ambulance to come and get her. And just absolutely, I mean, the most traumatic experience that you can possibly imagine right like just like you're running for your life as this train is barreling down here one woman's arm is just like smacked off by this thing mm -hmm. uh, your friend's body is left lying there and you have to remove it from the tracks like just horrifying um the president of the, the worst possible outcome and yet in a situation like that you, you know you you find yourself you find yourself asking what the fuck they expected Right, exactly. Mm. And the thing is, like, the crew on this had no idea. They trusted yeah, that yeah. the people making it, that the the director had gone through the proper channels in order mm. to make sure that this was safe. And they got there that day, and it's one of those things where, like, yeah, they had the sense that, like, they were uneasy about it. Mm. But at the same time, it's like show, showing up on a job and being told you're supposed to do something you know what were they to do walk off like you know, you just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. trust that the worst case scenario is not going to happen to you uh and in this case it did so the president of motion picture studio mechanics union local 479 in atlanta said this was no accident when i've done train work or around trains for smaller productions up to major blockbusters there are always several railroad personnel there with their hard hats glass and radios and I can't imagine a more structured safety protocol, even beyond airlines than the rail systems. So anything that films around trains is usually exceedingly safe. Well, yeah. Because did, there's... Did, did anyone face justice for that? Yes. So Miller, the director, his wife, uh, producer Jody Savin, and producer Jay Sedrish, and first assistant director Hilary Schwartz were charged with involuntary manslaughter and, slaughter yes. and criminal trespass. Uh, Miller pleaded guilty on March 9th to the charges. Uh, so... Um, and then he was sentenced to two years in prison in order to pay a $20,000 fine. And he is also prohibited from being a director or assistant director for the next 10 years. It's the first time in history that a Hollywood director has been held responsible for a death on set. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huge. Like, mm. keep in mind, Twilight Zone production team wasn't found guilty. They were charged. But they weren't found guilty for it. Um Cedric and Schwartz also pleaded guilty to involuntary manslaughter and criminal trespass, uh, and they were sentenced to 10 years probation. As part mm. of the plea for Miller, the charges against Savin, who pleaded not guilty, were dropped. Um, and 
I actually, I had several mutual friends in common with Sarah at the time. So I remember seeing posts on Facebook before I knew what happened, before it had kind of started trending and whatnot of people like mourning her loss. And at first I was like, oh, you know, maybe this was like someone who had cancer or something like that. You yeah, know? Yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. finding out what like an enormous like Hollywood shaking deal this was and how important she had been um, to people in the industry, just like this up and comer, a young upstart who was doing so well and like, you know, in a very male dominated role to mm, being camera off. Horrible. Um, she was really known for that. And one of the saddest details to me um, is that her dad had talked to her on the phone the night before the shoot. And he said they exchanged text. She expressed excitement about working with Hurt. Uh, and then she was out of range and their exchange ended. A few minutes later at 7.57 p.m., he sent her one final text. Lost you. Like, ugh. Just terrible. It's absolutely horrific. horrific. And, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, I, I use the word hubris. That feels to me a, a tragedy specifically stemming from, hey, we're fucking loose cannons. Just give me the mm -hmm. camera and I'll shoot. I don't give a fuck. That's what happens. That's exactly. why. That's why. That's why there are regulations. That's why there are rules. That's why, you know, precautions. And I, I don't know if I've stepped outside the brief, um, but the 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 biggest example of this I can think of in the UK actually takes place uh, on TV as opposed to on a movie set. Okay. And it it blows. <laughs> It does give me a right smile. Like again, when I, I, I that I, that I would talk about Roy Kinnear on Jack of All Graves. But any UK listener who hears me utter these two words will know exactly the incident that I'm about to refer to. Um, do, do, are you guys aware of Noel Edmonds? I don't see why you would be. No, not at okay, all. Okay, okay. Uh, Noel Edmonds, a, a man who has become something of a national punchline, right? A TV host, presenter. Uh, in a lot of people believe he he was in in some part the um one of the inspirations for Alan Partridge a guy with no oh, self awareness okay. <laughs> a guy with no you know with, with with absolutely no credibility no professional credibility at all he's also a massive crank um <laughs> you know uh, believing in bullshit like cosmic ordering uh you know manifestations he's oh, he's gosh, okay. just a fucking idiot of a guy <laughs> um and yet during the 80s uh and 90s was absurdly successful right mm -hmm. uh his the shows he hosted for the bbc had a, his career started in radio and then he carved out a niche he was always he was a permanent fixture on the bbc on quiz shows on variety shows um and one of those shows was uh, something called the Late Late Breakfast Show, right? Which ran uh, in the early 80s. It ran from 82 uh, and was ended in 1986 by the incident that that, that I'm going to talk yeah. about here. Because one of the features on the Late Late Breakfast Show, right? And it was, you know, a kind of a, a variety show that would have musical guests and quizzes and fun. Ha. One, of the, mm -hmm. one of the items on... The Late Late Breakfast Show was called Give It a Whirl, right? Okay. <laughs> Where a member of the public would call up or uh, and they would spin a wheel much like Wheel of Fortune or similar. And the wheel would land on uh, a stunt, mm -hmm. okay? That the viewer would then be given a week with the uh, support 
of the crew of the Late Late Breakfast Show would be given a week to rehearse and to plan this stunt and would then perform the stunt live on TV the next week. Okay. And these stunts were fucking ridiculous, right? Right. Uh, like ridiculously dangerous. Oh, God. Uh, think um, uh, one, for example, was a, a, a guy would have a week to be trained on uh, driving a motorbike across a tight rope, a tight wire. Oh, God. Okay, right? Stuff yeah. like this up in the air. Um, and they developed a reputation as being very poorly managed, very, mm. very dangerous indeed. And people were harmed several yeah. times during the making of the Late Late Breakfast Show. There's one particular incident, which is on YouTube, all to see, uh, which I'll, you know, I'll make sure I bang on the yeah, on the Twitter and no. send over to you. Um, uh, uh, a guy by the name of Richard Smith, who his stunt was to jump uh, a load of cars, yeah, in a, in a, on a on a ramp in a car, just to dive over a load of cars. And he crashed spectacularly at 225 kilometers per hour. The car flips, uh, smashes into the crowd. The guy breaks his pelvis, injures his head, neck, back, nearly takes out the presenter of the live event. The presenter yeah. was actually John Peel, the fucking DJ John Peel, who came within feet of, of missing this fucking car. Um, the guy fucked himself up completely. Somebody else in uh, a few years before the show ended in 1983 was uh, a, a girl was fired out of a fucking cannon and broke her shoulder. I had a feeling that there was going to be a cannon Ta-da! firing. I was like, it yeah. has to, the show has to have done this. Yep. And the, the lady in question broke her shoulder. So fast forward to 1986. Okay. okay. Uh, with a guy by the name of Michael Lush uh, got given a stunt for the week called hang em high right okay uh the stunt would involve him diving off a crane from an exploding platform on a bungee rope okay oh god okay uh and you read the catalog of errors mistakes oversights shortcuts all driven through hubris um mm. There was a guy, you know, they they assigned an instructor to coach him to make a jump. Uh, The instructor was trained only in theatrical um, stunt. Yeah, right. Nothing to this level or proportion. Um, The, the, my God, the safety officer, this guy wasn't even there on the day of the stunt, right? And this was a rehearsal. The, 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 The problems happened during a rehearsal. Okay. The guy on the crane, Michael Lush, had no means of communicating with the crew on the ground. Oh, God. There was no walkie-talkie. There was no comms at all with the crew on the ground. Why? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So there was no means of him backing out. He had no one to communicate with while up on the crane uh, if he decided to back out. Right. So, um, yeah, because this thing's just going to explode underneath him if he doesn't get off it, right? Exactly this. Um, there was Christ. no way for him to contact the ground when he was in the air. Uh, and <laughs> after he was given, this is fucking heartbreaking. After he was given the signal to jump, he delayed jumping for two minutes. Uh-huh. Terrified, clearly, yeah. as you fucking would be. That's like, I mean, you know what that feeling is like when you're high up on something and like yeah. you, just the entire body paralysis yeah. that you get hit with in that kind of position. So you can feel what he would have felt. Yep. Um, after the event, 
uh, when interviewed, a guy by the name of David Kirk, a specialist in bungee and stumps, uh, gave evidence, stated that he would have recommended that at least three ropes, three securing ropes be used oh, no. in a stunt like this. One single rope oh, was used. Uh, and upon leaping from the platform, the carabiner holding him popped open and he fell 120 feet oh, to his God. death. Plummeted like 120 that. feet. Died like, And that's such a simple fucking thing, too. Yes. Like, that's not even, you know, there are so many ways that mm-hmm. that could have gone wrong. And they yeah. should have immediately, once this guy is, like, terrified, been like, bro, do we need to get you down or whatever? Like, yes. That's a thing. But, like, in all the ways this could have gone wrong, it's as simple as one thing with no backup. Yes. No backup. Anyone who bungee jumps would know that that's not how that works. You yeah. know? Like, that is insane. That's insane. And, you know, just by... You look at the clip of the car crash that I mentioned earlier on, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. it cuts back to this motherfucker Noel Edmonds in the studio. And he laughs it off. He goes, oh, yeah, we think he's fine. <laughs> and the show carries on. This guy mm-hmm. fucked himself up, broken so many bones. Yeah. Um, But immediately following this, uh, the show was cancelled instantly. Yeah. Uh, and another YouTube clip that I'll put up is the BBC announcement that the show isn't going ahead this week and, and never will be again. Yeah. Um, the BBC was prosecuted under the uh, Health and Safety at Work Act. Um, yeah. And yeah, do you know, okay. they were fined what at the time was the maximum amount. Two grand was Stop. the amount they paid. For real. No. The BBC, they were fined, which was at the time the maximum amount. 2K they were fined. This is the 80s, don't don't get me wrong. So it obviously Still. it was way, way, way more at the time. But they were fined the maximum amount of... for a huge organisation. £2,000 That plus killed costs. a guy. Mm-hmm. And that should have... That had every... With all the other things that had happened... It was mm-hmm. a ticking time bomb, clearly. Yes. Like, oh, someone completely. is going to die. This is completely. not even a question. Yep. That uh, floors me. I can't even imagine that. Yep. The lady who broke her shoulder after being flown out of a cannon when talking about her aftercare, quote, they don't give a damn. They just want viewers. That's all it was. That's insanity. Like, that is just, my brain is exploding right now. Because I think... I mean, maybe this is because also America is a much more litigious society than mm, other yeah, yeah, ones. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah. from such an early time, like these, I, these things are such outliers, you know, and they're independent productions or they're like, I mean, there's no government overlooking mm. this stuff if they want to do this. Mm. Something as big as like the BBC is creating something that is multiple times injuring someone that just couldn't happen here. Like yes. any, it, there's just no way that they could continue to keep doing that. I mean, maybe I'm missing something big, but I've like studied a fair amount of television history here and I've never heard of anything like that mm. happening in the United States. So I, my mind is absolutely blown. It's incredible. That after, after the shoulder in and of itself, they didn't stop doing this. It would have been like, nah, someone's going to sue us. We got to, we got to not do this. Let alone the car. I swear to Christ, when you see the car accident, and the reaction to Edmonds in uh, from Edmonds in the studio, it's it's fucking incredible. In court, right? In court after this incident, uh, the guy representing the health and safety executive, you know, told the court that any stunt like that should have been rehearsed for absolutely weeks, as opposed to the one week that they were given. Yeah, that they by would, a professional. By a professional, yes. Um, yeah. trained in exactly that field. There was no airbag used in case it fucked up. The fact yeah. that they couldn't talk to the guy. That's 
that's insane. Insane. And to have, yeah, to have someone who is not a professional doing something like this and not have a net, Mm. a rope, an airbag, something underneath is just... And in uh, in in a similar way as our friendly flying tailor from France right your mind goes to that two minute delay mm-hmm. where he knew mm. just that moment of recognizing what they, you're about I, I, to do and having literally no way to turn around and back out no way yeah, of backing nothing out. at all that's you're just there that's your one way down it's fucked yeah terrible mm. Terrible, but I'm sure that also changed things how things are done in Britain. Well, well, yes, it did, it did, it did. Um, you know, the BBC, uh, to quote the, the BBC managing director at the time was Bill Cotton. He said there would be no future programs at all that would expose the public to any sort of risk, and and, mm-hmm. and they didn't. Um, Edmonds, yeah. uh, you know, stepped away, he didn't, it didn't finish his career on TV. The guy came back quite soon afterwards. He hosted Deal or No Deal for fucking years. Oh, god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, and if you want to, this is f- why cancel culture isn't real. Yeah, really. <laughs> this uh, is the kind of shit you can literally kill people and have full careers ahead of you. The 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 best insight I t- I can give you into into Noel Edmonds. Uh, he had an exchange in uh, a few years back, 2017, I believe it was, with a cancer sufferer. No, sorry, 2016. Uh, with a cancer sufferer on Twitter. And this is a quote that he oh, replied no. to that guy. The guy had uh, uh, kidney cancer. Edmunds tweets, scientific fact, disease is caused by negative energy. Is it possible oh, your ill health is caused by your negative attitude? Hashtag explore. You know, this is this is the kind of guy we're talking about. An absolute fucking crank. I hate him. Mm. Rightly so. I hate all these people. Same. All of them. Yeah. It's, it's, all of these men, me, realistically. But yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> they display a kind of a disconnection from reality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I keep coming back to that term hubris. It's it's a, a complete unshakable belief uh, mm-hmm. that you are infallible and that you can just fucking yeah. do this stuff and it'll be fine, man. Right. Nothing could possibly go wrong because it hasn't yet. Right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, therefore... You know, it's just that's the kind of thinking you should grow out of once you're mm. like an adult. You know, teenagers think like this. Yes. Uh, adults should have more of a sense of reality and accountability and all the things that they need to do to. Or avoid maybe this stuff happening. Try it yourself first. Jump off your right? fucking yeah. self and just check it out. You know, there you go. That's if you think this is safe and going to work so well, then you fucking do it. Mm. There you go. I mean, Good there are to take away this week. so many, if you think there's any risk, just try it yourself first. Um, <laughs> and there's loads of others. There's the guy from the Dark Knight, you know, there's the, the stunt guy from the Dark Knight um, who died in quite a similar way uh, to Charlie from Hereditary, my favoriteest, favoriteest movie. He was hanging out the back of a fucking hanging out of a window trying to get shot uh, and collided with a tree, took his head off. Ugh, it's terrible. Yeah, there's a lot of these kinds of. I mean, there's a lot of freak accidents and things like that that happen on sets and and stunt Mm. people not only constantly just like break their bodies in various ways because you really that's why they're stunt people. Um, Things will always be unpredictable. You cannot predict every variable. Um, So this stuff happens all the time. But, you know, at least there should be the minimum amount of things put in place. Well, the maximum amount of things put in place to prevent that kind of stuff from happening 
but stay tuned for the sequel to this episode. Yes, exactly. Part two. (laughs) 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 The uh, cursed films Mm. that we will discuss next week. Wonderful. So it's uh, it's been real. Dear Joag yeah, friends. It really has. Thanks for coming along again. Sorry if we're, sorry we're late. <laughs> My fault. <laughs> sorry we're late and talk forever, but you love us. Okay, bye. <laughs> You'll be back. You'll be back. <laughs> so until next time, follow us on all the things on the social media and whatnot. You know where to you know where to look, and we'll be waiting to have some nice chats with you over the course of the week until we gather around once again for another set of dark tales from Hollywood next week beautiful yeah so until then stay spooky friends bye guys <laughs> now the, the the sign-off kiss is now my thing i'm gonna do that every week yeah Mwah. i think it's now that's it yeah, yeah.